All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Positive Friday as we roll through. How are you? Jason Greger, Connor Halley. Greger Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where, of course, uh, go in on all the excitement at Play Alberta. Sign up today. Use the promo code SPORTS50. You'll get a $50 free bet. Or if you don't like the games, you want to just like the casino, use a promo code CASINO50 and get a free $50 wager at playalberta.ca. Uh, we're going to go, uh, we do this uh, every Friday. We quite like it. We talk a little bit about the uh, the mental side, uh, mental preparation, physical preparation, uh, a little bit uh, in the mind, brought to you by uh, Next Gen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% uh, locally owned and operated and a huge sponsor of numerous youth sports teams. It's nextgentransportation.com. As uh, we are joined in studio, as always, by uh, Olympic gold medalist and the, the co-host Mondays mornings here on Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carey Show, Lori Ann Munzer joins us. Lori Ann, how you doing? Doing terrific. Happy Friday. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good day. Uh, order fans a little fired up as they should be. Uh, the dreadful uh, second period performances. You know, consistency is the hardest thing to do in any sport. I don't care what it is. Um, and even the greatest of the greats uh, aren't consistent all the time. Uh, no one ever is. Um, but when it affects the whole team, now, now you got to work on that as a coaching staff. Um, but for for lots of athletes, specifically younger athletes, it, it's very rare 
um, you know, that the season just is like, do, 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 I'm on the escalator and I'm getting better and I'm getting better. And oh, now I'm at the top and it's great. Cause here we are, we're into the middle of February. Um, you, you come out, you know, January obviously is, is usually colder. It's a little bit darker. I don't know, you know, how much that impacts. Some people it does. There's scientific studies on it. The less light yep. you have, it doesn't work, but there, there's also a little bit of the fatigue factor for, for some athletes at different levels. Uh, I know you work with lots of them. What are, what are tips you have on to kind of, get through the doldrums uh, of that January and, and early lull and then be able to get out of it and ramp up because playoffs are coming around the corner and hockey and lots of other sports. That's a great question. And I do see a lot of it, especially with the younger athletes, but also some of the older athletes as well, because they haven't necessarily fine tuned that process. And a lot of it comes down to the periodization, which is the planning of how have you set out the whole season and sometimes the athletes don't clue into it at all. Uh, some do. But when you have a picture, then you can see kind of where the timing is. If you've been up and up and up, and then all of a sudden you hit a, I call it a whoop, that's where you drop. Uh, performance isn't there, or you've plateaued. A lot of the times it's, look, let's go back to the basics. What are the basic core components that bring the skill out, give you that confidence again? Because sometimes it's that confidence. You lose a game and some some athletes are just absolutely shelled. Others are like, okay, they get themselves up and away they go. But it's how can you pick yourself up again? And it is going back to and defining those things that you do really well. What are the core components of the elements that are part of your training that do make you successful? What are the ones, what are the moves, what are the the drills that you do that you love the most Mm -hmm. and like are you doing enough of them or are you doing too much because sometimes it can be too much and sometimes it can be not enough or you're starting to get a little too fancy and sometimes a lot of coaches will keep adding more and more and more and more isn't better usually less is better so it's don't take your foot off the gas don't take the effort away show up Keep showing up because that is going to build resiliency. It's going to build that consistency. It's going to build that confidence. And and building, you know, confidence is a key and consistency obviously is a key. But um, the, the truth is it's very rare that it's sustainable. Now, younger players maybe because it's a little easier to dominate when you're the best player when you're 10 compared to dominate when you're the best player when you're in the NHL because... Now, I know McDavid does, but even McDavid doesn't dominate every shift of every game, right? We just saw right. that uh, that yesterday. Um, but when, when you have, I, I think that what I find I hear from lots of people and, and coaches at any level now is dealing with adversity. It's almost like people, parents want to protect their kids from never having adversity because they think that actually helps them. When in fact, in sports, that becomes very the opposite because adversity is coming. I don't care if it's when you're 10 or you're 12 or you're 18, maybe you're a pro, it's coming at some point. Absolutely. And if you've never be, been taught how to deal with it or just experience it like, hey, guess what? Today, I didn't score the big goal. Today, you know what? I didn't play my best, whatever it is. But if you if you try to insulate everybody from adversity... It's actually counter. Um, it's not going to be a good idea. So, so how do you help kids or young athletes deal with adversity and use it as a positive? When I separate the parents or extra outside people influences and I pop it out to the athletes. Okay, if you're put into this situation and you don't score and you were expecting to score and you feel like, 
what are the different emotions that you can run through? Which ones have you experienced? Have you ever been in this position? Because a lot of times the kids don't know what to do or the athletes don't know what to do because they don't have that experience. The parents may have the experience. The other coaching staff or, you know, assistant uh, staff could have that experience. But if you're going to shelter the kids and the athletes, it is detrimental. So it's like, okay, if we could brainstorm and mastermind, what are the different options? What are the different scenarios? Like, let's blow this right out of proportion. Kids are really great at that. They're way better than uh, adults are. But it's to take a situation and go, what are three different variations that we could have of that situation? If you don't score, how do you uh, motivate or inspire your buddy, your teammate to lace up the skates and come back on the ice and, you know, bring that chin up and just keep going. It's like, keep coming back, keep coming back. The first time you try it, you're not going to get it right. I guarantee you it. You may be lucky. You may have a good line, but then did you know what it was that you did? Or when I'm working with like higher level athletes is what were you thinking before you went out and you executed a really great time trial, a really great drill, a really great shot. Most of them can't tell me what it is. And it's because we're on automatic pilot, but it's like, let's press pause literally and stop and think about this. And what are all the possibilities? What are all the different scenarios? And they come up, the younger athletes come up with really great stuff that you'd just be like, gosh, I never thought of that before. And then when they're put in a situation they may have had the conversation, they may have heard the conversation, and then they go, okay, I've maybe never done it, but at least I have an idea of what I can do, versus going, ah, panic, boom, crump. When you deal with athletes who, who have lost their confidence, um, I, I don't know. Now, in some cases, like hockey's an easy example because everybody watches. Usually if a player scores one goal, all of a sudden like things change for them. Right now, if you're Infused. like, obviously, Cody CC is not a goal scorer. He's not expected to score different. But if, if you're a top end scorer and you go eight, nine games without a goal, and then once they score one, all of a sudden they score like in bunches. It's, and it's a weird thing, but you just, your body relaxes. But lots of people and the average player doesn't have that luxury, right? Like sometimes it extends like minor hockey. You might like, I've, we have kids on our team that have scored one goal a year. Now they moved up a level, right? And when you're a first year and you 11 or 13, it's a lot harder than being a second year, right? Just from simple age, right? Yeah. And so they're used to scoring lots of goals. Now they move up and maybe they're up at a higher tier now, but they have one goal all year long. Yeah. And, and I can see it in our kids and you can talk to them and you can say the most positive things forever, but it doesn't seem to change, Mm-mm. right? So and kids, because I get it, at the young age, they want to score. They, they don't view it as like, oh, I got the puck out. That's important. It isn't. And you can't, I, I don't want to lie to my kid because no kid's going to think that's important to do. Yeah. It's virtually impossible, right? So what do you recommend in that situation for kids? Or do you just have to write it out and be like, you know what? I can't focus on it. Maybe I don't mention it. I would run them. I, I had a total visual when you were talking about that, having the kids either sitting in a, a circle or standing in a circle, maybe on their on their skates or not, and run them through a 60-second scenario. And if you're the coach and you're walking around, is to have one of the young athletes talking it through. Imagine that they've got the puck and they're going to pass it. So if you can get them to talk it out, pass it, play it, and if you're walking around and you tap the next athlete holy smokes, okay, maybe it bounced, the puck bounced off the boards. This athlete now has it. 
now what are you going to do? So you write and you speak the story. And then, you know, you're, you're listening. Maybe you're on the inside of, of the team. And then you touch another shoulder. And it's the puck goes to that person. And you start playing the games like that. Because then they can see it. Because, Jason, we, we all run on pictures. We talked about it with Christmas shopping. Boom. You can see the people, like, on a mission. Okay, Christmas is over. What are you thinking about here? And this is where it starts, even even as, like, young athletes. Lorianne Munzer joins us. So, because we have a text from a coach says, do you recommend, if you've never done the writing drill... Would it be good to do it before the playoffs, or is that is that not the right time? Is it something you have to start at the start of the season for your team? You can start it any time. Don't start it on, like, playoff day. That's not the best one. But if you've got a couple of days, it's, it's like you want to think about sprinkling them with, even if it's 10 seconds or 5 seconds, how, how long can each athlete hold, like, watching a dot or, like, light a candle? And see if you can focus. The flame's going to move. It's going to move. So can you follow the top of the flame and tune out the coach But because you're so focused? And just really start playing with the drills. Like there are drills. There are like every sport has a drill. And it's how good can you put yourself in it with your eyes closed? We used to do this crazy drill. My God, we used to close our eyes on the track riding a bicycle. One year, no brakes <laughs> on the track. There's only one person, but you listen for the sound of the track. Now, the sidewalk, the bottom part is literally like a sidewalk, but the banking, the pole, which is like the very bottom, the line, the black line has a certain sound. Then when you're on the right side in the pole, that, I wouldn't even call it, it wasn't asphalt, it was a certain type of cement they used has a different sound. You go up a little too high, you hit the red line. There's a different sound of the red line. So one, do you trust yourself to close your eyes to do the drill? Do you trust yourself? Okay, if I close one eye, okay, you get the feel of it. And then there's a certain speed that you get going where you're not weebling and wobbling all over the track. And you listen for the sounds. You listen for the sound of like when, when I was doing this how with long, my coach. How long did it take you to close both eyes? Uh, it took me, it took me a couple laps to feel it out. And then. And then we, you did a whole lap with we, your eyes closed? Pretty much. Pretty much. It was hard going into the bankings because then it's really well, I was steep. just going to say that would be the part that would be difficult, yeah. right? But that's when you push steer. So like in motorcycling, if you turn left, you don't like turn like a steering wheel. You push with your left hand. Same as on boards with skiing. If you want to go, you, like you press the boards and it was a matter of to stay upright on the track I had to push with my right hand and again you wanted to stay on the painted line because you know that's the shortest line so can you take like the race car drivers the Formula F1 guys they know the course inside and out and they can do it with their eyes closed yeah hockey probably different because I'm not sure I guess you want to visualize just uh, closing your eyes and I, I've done it with my players I want you to visualize you know putting a pass on your teammate's stick mm-hmm. something that that's very simple that you can visualize and then I'm like now visualize you doing it quickly yeah right where the guy's open because they see it but they don't do it and then they wait and by the time they wait 
now the play's gone and they've missed it's it. It's done. Right? And, yeah. and that's what happens. So. so then can they practice it slower together? And I think that's probably what you do. You go from one end to the other. And it's how many times can you pass the puck smoothly, accurately, mm-hmm. and get that speed. I also saw, too, like, what if you took your, your guys, your athletes, and they took their hand along the board and they closed one eye? And then you close the other eye. There's going to be a total different kinesthetic feel to it because you always have one dominant eye more Mm -hmm. than the other. But then could you take your elbow and stay on the boards the whole way around the arena? These are crazy drills. These these are things that I think about. That's just like mental focus for players to know where they're at yeah because if, if like when i was listening to the interview that you had i think with colin beforehand right he's, he said he was talking about guys on the back well i had a picture of you know if if you've got somebody you can feel them with your arm and your elbow before they you know put the stick through and flip your stick up and then take back the puck oh. so there's that kinesthetic awareness and if you have your elbow and you're going around the arena, can you stay with your elbow? You might want to get a sock so that you don't, you know, mom doesn't get mad or dad doesn't get mad because you just wear out the elbow. But you're just going around, but you have that feel and you start to get that precision. And it's it's silly games like that. You pick the corners on the net. You pick a different spot. That's why they've got the holes in the nets as, as you practice just playing on the street or, or in your driveway. And it's the same thing, but it's it's a different level. Interesting. Lorianne, it's always an interesting conversation. I appreciate it. Have yourself a great family day weekend. And you as well. That's uh, Lorianne Munzer, Olympic gold medalist and co-host here on Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carey Show. Uh, when we come back, Owen Newkirk will join us. The Dallas Stars, the best offense in the NHL. They got the most goals. They have seven guys with 17 or more goals this season. The orders are tied for second. They have four with Vancouver, Tampa Bay. But Dallas has seven. This will be a really tough test for the orders. We'll break it down next with the Owen on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We roll through Positive Friday. How are you? Jason Gregor, Connor Halley on Sports 1440, Orders Nation YouTube and uh, Facebook. Uh, maybe you're streaming us live at Sports1440.ca. You're on the uh, app. Well, however you're consuming the show, we uh, very much appreciate you uh, taking time here today to uh, listen, talk a little sports with us. The text line is open, 833-401-1440. Let's get to our uh, big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies. With state-of-the-art motor coaches, it will safely take you or your team to your next destination. Book your ride today at silentrides.ca. A, as the Edmonton Orders in Dallas tomorrow against the uh, surging Stars, the best offensive team in the NHL, pre- and post-game host for the Stars, Owen Newkirk, joins us. And uh, obviously, Owen, uh, Dallas is feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, They went and spanked Nashville 9-2 last night. Uh, They lead the league in goals. They have seven guys with 17 goals or more already, which is most in the NHL by a significant margin. Edmonton is tied uh, with a few other teams at four. So, uh, you know, this offense of the Stars, man, they can be, their power play is good, but they got really good balance. Do you see, like, is there any addition the Stars would like to make before the trade deadline? Well, Jason, thanks for having me. And I don't know about calling me the big guest of the day, but I'll try to fill those shoes as best I can. But yeah, to answer your question, I think the talking point that we've had for a big chunk of this season so far is the depth on the blue line. Now, the Stars had an injury last night as Nils Lundqvist took a check to the face early in the first period. 
Uh, Pete DeBoer said this morning that he doesn't want to officially call it a concussion, but if you read between the lines, it's a head injury. He called it upper body, and it doesn't look particularly good for Nils, who is getting some time and playing pretty well as one of the young guys they're trying to bring along. But that being said, Dallas has really felt that they are always in search for defensive depth. I think almost any team in the NHL will say that you can't have too many defensemen. Jim Nil has always added a blue liner if he can when the team has a shot. This team really does have a shot to contend for a cup. And as much as I like what they have right now, one of the things I've talked about on our show is the need for another right shot defenseman. Uh, I would love to see Miro Haskinen playing on his left because as on his strong side, that's only going to make one of the best defensemen in the league better. He's good enough that he can play on the right, and that's not that big of a problem for him. Uh, again, that's ideal world where you want a lefty-righty combo for all three pairings. Thomas Harley has emerged at this year as a much more dangerous player and more, bigger minute player than he was even at the when he came up last year right before the playoffs. So Harley and Haskinen have been a pretty solid pairing since they've been put together here in the last month or so, maybe a little less because Miro was hurt for a while. So that, to me, sort of changes what I think. I first thought it has to be a right shot D that plays on the top pairing with Miro. That's how you make yourself better. But really, it's a top four defenseman in my eye. And right shot would be ideal because they have enough lefts as it is. But it doesn't have to be a top pairing. It could be a second pairing guy because they have Essel Lindell. He's playing with Yanni Hockenpah. But if you force Hockenpah down a spot, that just makes the overall depth bigger. So... That's my long-winded way of saying defensive depth. Defensive depth. All right, like, yeah, because it doesn't look like they need a lot of uh, offensive help by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you look at that division, and it's kind of similar to the uh, Pacific Division. There's three top teams. The uh, The race for first is massive because you, if you're Dallas, you get to avoid Colorado and Winnipeg in round one. Just like Colorado can avoid Dallas. Like, you know, I, I don't know if any of these teams really kind of want to take their foot off the gas down the stretch here because it, you know, not that there's a, not that you will just breeze through the wild card, but I'd much rather take my chances on LA or Nashville or Minnesota, whoever gets in rather than having to take on uh, Winnipeg or Colorado in round one. You're completely right. It would be great from a central division standpoint if the Avalanche and the Jets just beat each other up for seven games. And if you can get through your wild card game, you get to pick up the scraps and see what how much they have left in the tank. One of the things that was a big deal for Dallas last year in the playoffs was they had home ice for the second round against the Seattle Kraken. And they needed that seventh game. They beat them. They were at home. I remember DeBoer saying to us at the time, you know, we've earned home ice and that's why we get it for a seventh game. If you play Colorado, if you play Winnipeg, although Winnipeg's fallen off a little bit lately, they're still a good team. I just think that that extra home game is really important. Now, the Stars will argue that they have one of the best road records in the league this year, and that's not as big a concern to them. But come on, we all know that having home ice is a thing, especially in the playoffs, and you'd rather play in front of 20,000 screaming fans cheering for you than yelling at you. So you're absolutely right. I think one of the big things for that's good for all of the teams you mentioned, whether it's Vancouver, the, the three teams fighting for first in the Central, you take your foot off the gas, you'll be in third place, and now you don't even have home ice for the first round. So that's an incentive to try to keep getting better. And for the Stars, 
Yes, they demolished Nashville last night. I think Nashville also played one of their worst games. So it was sort of a, a confluence of two issues going the other way. But the Stars haven't really claimed that they've played their best hockey of the season. They just keep piling up results, which is a good thing. But they feel they have more to give. And maybe opponents think that's a scary proposition. But at the, the for the Stars, they keep thinking that they have th- things that they can get better at. And that's the other motivation besides just trying to fin- finish first in the division. I look at Dallas and not that they snuck up on anybody, but you know, everybody talked about Colorado, of course, because you got Nathan McKinnon and then you got Hellebuck, who's probably the, uh, the Vesna trophy. It's, it's kind of funny in a sense, like Dallas has been very good all year long and, uh, and they're, they're probably the best team top to bottom, I would say in the, in the central division, right? Like Jake Ottinger, when he's on is obviously very good, but he was injured. So he's not going to be in the Vesna trophy conversation. Uh, they don't have a Nathan McKinnon offensively. But they have the best rounded, uh, you know, offensive team, uh, in the, in that division. Um, do you, like, do they use that as motivation? You sense at all that, you know, there's everybody's no, nobody, not many people are really talking about Dallas, despite the fact that, uh, here they are and, and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're closing in on Vancouver for first in the West. Well, it's funny because. I don't want to sound like the redheaded stepchild in Dallas, but the Mavericks weren't very good for a while this year, made a couple trades at the deadline in the NBA. They've won six in a row. And now the, the, the town is a buzz with the Mavericks sort of having a chance to be maybe even in the regular playoff spots, not the play in round in the NBA. The stars are legitimately Stanley cup contenders and the talk is a little quiet. And maybe it's because Dallas went to the conference final last year. So everybody around here, look, there's plenty of stars fans. The building's full every night. That's not the problem, but this is Dallas Cowboys country. The Cowboys just bowed out as we all saw against the green Bay Packers. And now there's sort of that fight for, well, the, the world series champion, Texas Rangers are getting ready to start spring trading. You've got the Mavs showing some signs of life. Oh, over here in the corner is this first place hockey team playing pretty well. I agree with your assessment, Jason, with the fact that the stars are, I think the most well-rounded team, especially up front. Uh, They, they have this little motto that they were trying to keep quiet, but it was inside the entryway of the dressing room. So it was hard to early in the season, everybody picked up on it, which was essentially a little less for a lot more. And the, the inference behind that is asking some of their big players to take a little less, whether it's maybe a little less in the point sheet. Maybe you're not leading the league in scoring like you might've last year. Maybe your ice time is a little less, but the team is going to go farther and top to bottom, the four lines, I would argue are as balanced as any in the league. And going back to our discussion about trade deadline, uh, you know, targets, nobody in around here is thinking forwards because not only do the stars have 13 very good forwards on the roster, although Evgeny Dodonov is going to be out for the next, we hear somewhere about four to six weeks because of the lower body fracture he just suffered in Montreal they also have some really high-end prospects down in the AHL with the Texas Stars, led by Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven, who have been top scorers in the AHL this year. So even if they do have injuries, which the Stars knock on would have been really fortunate to be healthy, they've only used 20 skaters this year, which I know a lot of teams are jealous of that. If they need forward depth, they have it in, in-house in the system. So that's why, going back to that earlier comment, more so about adding a, a blue liner is because they have already the extra pieces if they need a forward. And frankly, some fans here in Dallas have been clamoring 
for Stan Coven or Bork to get called up and get a look. Yeah. But Ty Delandria has been fighting for ice time and just in and out of the lineup this year. He's gotten a chance to play a little bit more the last couple of games. He scored last night. He was great against the Hurricanes. And frankly, he deserves to get a shot. Maybe the most overlooked player, although it's it's starting to, to garner attention. Uh, everybody talks about Miro Heiskanen, and rightfully so. He's an excellent defender. But uh, Thomas Harley, who is a dual citizen but actually represents Canada on the national stage, um, he's having a hell of a year on the back end. He's six foot four, two hundred five pounds. He's got thirteen goals uh, already for uh, for Dallas. Eleven of them coming at uh, at even strength. Only one in the power play. So it's not like he's a, a guy who's you know he doesn't really play in the first unit power play. Um, no. Harley has he's got thirty one points. He, he's one point uh, back of uh, of Miro Heiskanen, and you know Heiskanen's on the first unit power play. Like he has been really really good uh, for Dallas. Uh, are they like he's 22? Are they surprised he's taken this big of a step this quickly? I think the big surprise happened last year because he went to training camp for the 22 23 season, and frankly, he wasn't good enough to make the roster. And that doesn't mean he wasn't a good enough player, he didn't play well enough. And it was Pete DeVore's first camp as head coach of the Stars. And we were talking to him the other day about Harley, and he, he said, Honestly, I didn't think much of him. I wasn't that impressed with what he did in that camp. He went down to the Texas Stars, and we're talking about injury uh, sort of luck for Dallas and not having a lot of guys hurt this year. Last year was the same thing. The blue line especially, they didn't have the kind of long-term injuries that would have necessitated a call-up of a guy like Harley from the AHL. So rather than going up and down and – and riding that sort of emotional roller coaster of NHL, AHL for a bunch of months, he was there for 60 something games. And he, when he finally got called up, it was late in the regular season. And he, he just jumped in and looked like a completely different player. We've seen in the past under Rick bonus, when he was here uh, that hardly had the offensive skills, but his defensive game, especially the angles he took, the, way he played. He just said, honestly, at the beginning of this year, I said, what was different? He goes, I grew up. And what he meant was he learned a lot of things about the maturity required to play defense in the NHL level that he just didn't have in his game. Now he's still really young. He's in his early twenties, but he has looked a completely different player. And this year it's just been sort of ramping up to that next step. He's shooting more He's he's always been a very composed, very confident player, but he looks like he has a little bit more of that swagger in his game. Uh, and you mentioned the power play. He wasn't even getting second power play time at the beginning of the year, and Nils Lundqvist was the de facto number two quarterback behind Miro Haskin. And lately, Nils, of course, before the injury last night, has not been that guy. It's been Harley, and it's because of how well he's played. So he's really earned the time he's gotten and added to that. But what's really amazing is he started the year playing on the third defensive pairing. And because he's been just continuing to gain more traction, he eventually got moved up to play with Haskin. And in that pairing, I'll tell you, they move the puck incredibly well. They both skate as fluidly as you'll see. Obviously, Haskin and skating is unbelievable. But they both have that great first pass and vision. And I, I think they're a nightmare for other teams to try to forecheck them because you blink and they're out of their zone.
Yeah, no, they're fast. So their defense moves the puck uh, incredibly well. And, you know, I'm looking at their stats right now in a lot of different categories. And you just, it, like, it's hard to find any, any sort of glaring weakness on the, uh, on the stars. Um, you know, last night they pounded, uh, Nashville, uh, nine to two, pretty convincing, uh, victory. I'm looking up and down the roster and, you know, like they're, t- which line, I, this might be a tough question. But like the Robertson, uh, Hintz, Pavelski line's clearly good. But man, the Marchman, Duchesne, Tyler Sagan line, like Matt Duchesne has been everything. Like I thought he'd be a really good value. I didn't think he'd be this good, but he has worked out exactly how Dallas wanted for three million bucks after the, uh, the buyout. Like how, how close is the internal competition on those top two lines on, you know, on, on who's, you know, getting, you know, more ice time, PP unit, all that stuff. Uh, Pete likes to rotate his lines. He likes to roll all four. Last night, obviously he was able to do that without really having to think too much about it. There are times where they match up certain groups. It's not completely just next guy up all the time, but the, the argument about who's the top line with Dallas is a, is a fun one because I think ceiling wise, it's the line we call the Avengers line, Robertson hints Pavelski. They were unbeatable last year. They were one of the best lines in hockey, actually the last two years. This year, they've regressed a little bit, and it's not that they haven't played well. It's just that there have been nights where they haven't necessarily been as incredibly dominant. Okay. However, then the Stars can roll out the Matt Duchesne, Mason Marchman, and Tyler Sagan line, then hit them with Wyatt Johnson line with Jamie Benn, and it was Evgeny Dodonov before his injury, tied to Landry's deputized. And then you have Sam Steele, Foxa, and, and Craig Smith. That's, that's a pretty good balance. The thing about Duchesne that's really something, and I, uh, one of the Stars front office executives said this, and I really liked it, is that we thought we were getting Matt Duchesne at, at a bargain. We didn't realize we were getting three players at a bargain because of what he's done to elevate the game of both Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchment. And the three of them have enjoyed an incredible year. And, you know, you talk about Nashville last night. The Stars put up nine, and the top line – the the Robertson Hens Pavelski line, they were involved, but not nearly like the other three, and that's a really big luxury to have because most nights when you're putting up that kind of offense, and the fourth line is the one that's that's getting it done early, that's a really big luxury to have. Yeah, well, the one other big luxury that they've had in Dallas, you mentioned it, is just the health, right? Uh, Twelve forwards uh, have all played forty six games or more. Right, uh, up to 54. And, uh, you know, so Ty Delandre, now he's going to get in because dad and off is out. So that, that'll get his, his games played up. But they, they've been an incredibly uh, healthy team up front. Uh, you, you talk about, uh, their blue line and, you know, they, they got right now like two, well, two really good offensive defense. But then you got Lindell and Yanni Hockenpah, who's a, who's a beast to play against. Um, but, uh, now Miro Heiskanen's missed a few times. You mentioned, uh, Nils Lundquist is out. In an ideal world, do they want a right or left defenseman? I mean, my ideal world, right, because losing Nils doesn't help. Lundqvist is one of two right-shot D in their NHL roster right now. So now they have one. Now, Joel Hanley is our, our super seventh. He has that superpower, which is he can be out one game or 15 games and come in and play as if he hasn't missed a beat, which is really hard to do. And he can play on his right side. And so he'll probably start tomorrow with Ryan Suter on his left. Uh, and, and look, Yanni Hockenpah is a beast. I really like him. I think he and, and Essa Lindell have been great as the top penalty-killing pair. And I still think that if you had Yanni in your third pairing, 
it makes your team better. Now you're looking for, for Lundquist to, to continue to develop. Maybe he supplants him in time, but I mean, I'll go back to it. Right shot would help just give you a little bit more balance. Maybe you could even have three lefty righty pairs. Uh, but look, the, the stars game isn't without its warts. They're a great team and I'm not going to try to, to sandbag that at all. They've been really, really good. But they have gone through waves, as most teams do, where certain parts of their game have struggled. There was a time where they seemed to have a little trouble getting interior against a layered defensive team. Uh, teams like Vegas that, that put just wave after wave of guys in front of their net. They weren't getting inside. And that was, again, a small period of time, but still one that was an issue. Their penalty kill, which was for the first couple of months the best in the league, went through a nearly two-month stretch where they were like the 30th in the league and just leaking power play goals against Pete DeBoer said to us when we were, I mean, they've, they've been perfect the last two games. He said, just like when our power play struggled early in the year, I believe in the, the, the players that we have, they'll get it figured out again. Well, at the beginning of the season, the power play was awful. And then after a few weeks, it got better and they figured some things out. He was right, and he said, <laughs> with no lack of, of satisfaction, maybe the media should listen to me. And so he said the same thing about the penalty kill, mm-hmm. and we'll see. They're five for five in the last two games. That's a start, but they've been kind of leaky for the better part of 15 games, and that's a long stretch of time. Owen, really appreciate the run now, man. Enjoy the afternoon game tomorrow. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me. That is uh, Owen Newkirk joining us uh, from Dallas Stars, man. They, look at the, like here. Like these are top six scores right now. Like that, they got six guys right now who are all producing. It is going to be a tough test for the Edmonton Oilers. So they got. Uh, if you just look uh, at their points and their top guys, uh, Robertson's got 18 and 55. That's goals, assists. Duchesne, 21, 52. Rupe Hintz, 23, 49. Pavelski, 19, 46. T- Tyler Sagan, 20 and 45. And Mason Marchment, 17 and 44. Like that, from 44 to 55 points, your top six scores. They don't have a dominant guy, but they got everybody contributing. It's, and that's why they're the top scoring team in the NHL. Really, really tough test for the orders tomorrow. Maybe that's what they need. You got, they know that if they try to sleepwalk through a second period, they'll get another, you know, uh, spanking like they got yesterday from the Blues. Take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got the uh, ski report. Uh, also, uh, Craig Button, uh, low tide spec, and much more on a busy Friday edition of the Gregor Show on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 355. It's a Friday. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley. You know a text uh, is a head scratcher when even Connor Halley is like, what's this guy talking about? That always makes me uh, chuckle. Uh, everybody has uh, different things on what they hear or uh, read, but uh, yeah, this one, uh, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm not. Uh, uh, guys, imagine a world where Paul Yarvey gets as much of a break as Connor Brown. Um, yeah. Who's giving Connor Brown a break? Connor Brown has been piled on for months because he played terribly. I don't think anybody's suggest- saying that last night he was very good is a fact. That's just a fact. He was very good. Also said he can't score. A fact. He's good on the penalty kill. A fact. Has done nothing offensively. A fact. I don't know anybody. I haven't seen any person say, well, Brown is making this guy. Remember when people used to say that Yesel Pugliarvi was the reason why uh, Connor McDavid outscored the opposition? And they believed it. And they doubled down and they tripled down on it. <laughs> like, it was amazing to me. Right? I had no problem with Pulley Arby. He is what he was. Pulley Arby was, was never going to be a finisher. 
He's never going to live up to being a number four overall pick. And that's fine. It's not his fault. He didn't ask to get drafted there. It's just where he was drafted. And everybody in the NHL thought he was going to be a top five pick. Everybody. So it didn't work out for him as a top six player. Can he be a, can he be a, a bottom six guy? hundred percent. But let's, I don't, I don't believe that Connor Brown has been, uh, um, has everybody rooting for him. The, the only thing now is that there's sympathy. It's gotten past the hatred was there for a long time. Now people are just like, oh, they just want Brown to score because they literally, most humans have empathy and they're like, my goodness, this is painful to watch. But I don't know what breaks you're talking about. He was healthy scratched, right? How many times does the play are we healthy scratched? Right. Um, he uh, has been basically on the fourth line for what two months. So yeah, I don't. I don't know if Connor Brown's getting much of a break. I don't think he deserves one either. Hasn't played well enough consistently. Last night he was very good. That's okay to say. Doesn't make up for the other games, but last night he was quite good. And people saying, well, he's not good on the PK because it's struggling. Well, actually, he is good on the PK. The PK is horrific lately when he's not on the ice. He has the most penalty kill minutes in the last four games amongst any forward. By over three minutes, he's been on for nine minutes. The next closest is Nugent Hopkins at six. Brown's been on for one goal. Nugent Hopkins has been on for three. Derek Ryan's been on for three. Drysdale's played a minute. He's been on for one. McDavid's played a minute and a half. He's been on for one. Brown has the, the fewest shots against on the PK. And in fact... In those four games, he has as uh, as many uh, high-danger chances for as high-danger chances against when he's on the penalty kill. It's the one area he's actually been good. So has the order's penalty kill stunk the last four games at 53%? You bet. But it isn't because of Connor Brown. That's all. He's the one guy that's actually been good when he's on the ice on the penalty kill lately. And, and if he could take a face-off, he'd probably start. Like I do wonder if we see – I understand the theory why they start – Ryan and Nugent Hopkins because you have a lefty and you have a righty and you have a center so you can take one guy is going to be whichever side they pick you'll have a centerman on a strong side to give you a better chance to win the draw but if they're keep getting scored on as frequently as they have lately they didn't for a while but that's why it's a four game thing it's a small trend but if it continues I do wonder if if they look to switch up the pairs and say you know what we'll take losing the opening face off because the other guys aren't getting scored on as much that's something to watch for on the penalty kill. Let's get to the Snow Valley Ski Report. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, February 16th. Brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. Great long weekend coming up for skiing and snowboarding wherever you choose to go. At Marmot, the entire mountain is now open and received three centimeters in the last five days. Down in Banff, Lake Louise with five centimeters fresh over the past four days. Sunshine Village's Delirium Diary with its famed double black diamond terrain is now open for the year and they've had 10 centimeters in the last seven days. At Norquay, 13 centimeters over the last week. Nakiska with 23 centimeters in the last seven days. Castle Mountain, 13 over the last three. Fernie, 27 in the past week. Kimberly with 36 centimeters over the past seven days. And Panorama piling up 11 centimeters in the last week. Over a kicking horse, they've had 12 centimeters in Revelstoke, 23 in the last week. And in the Okanagan, Big White, Silver Star, and Sun Peaks, all receiving between 20 and 25 centimeters in the last week, while Apex Alpine has had 12. Local Hills in full operation, and there may even be a few additional activities and events to help make the Family Day long weekend extra special. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report.
Man, it would be great to just like if somehow you could transfer a little bit of the snow that they're getting on the East Coast and bring it out to Alberta. I know that's you know obviously the ocean. And I know I know all the the uh, the realities about it, but in a in a in a fiction world, it would be nice because uh, we could use even more. Well, maybe not like even as as crazy as fifty centimeters sounds. It is so dry right now in our province. I I, w- I would take the hassle. I would say let's bam bond together as a community. We can shovel a lot. We would get through it, and it would help us because I think everyone listening would agree. None of us want to uh, have the summer, which is one of the best places to live in the world. Summertime in Edmonton, it's light out till eleven o'clock. It's great. Not many mosquitoes. But I don't think any of us want to be uh, hunkered down in our house and looking out the window because we got uh, terrible smoke because of all the fires. So we need some more moisture. I would I would settle for 50 uh, centimeters of snow right now. I'd live with it because of the long-term benefits. That's what I would do. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Hey, Gregor, what do you think the cost would be uh, of, Mo- Man- of uh, Mantha? Um, I, I don't... Well, he's having a really good year this year. Now, they tried to give him away in the offseason. It didn't work, right, because he'd had two bad years. Now, I got a coach, and we had Alan May on earlier talking about how Mantha's finally got an opportunity. And, you know, so he's got his confidence back. I think of all the second line, right, like if you look at guys like Toffoli, if he gets available, or Jake Genzel, who we assume is going to be available, they're going to cost way more than Mantha, right? That's why I said, to me, Mantha... He's six foot five. He's got good hands. He doesn't need first unit power play. That's the other thing you have to factor in, right? Gensel's used to being on the first unit power play. They don't really need him on the first unit power play in Edmonton. So how will he perform, right? He's used to being on the first unit or in Pittsburgh, they split it. So which they don't in Edmonton or should they? So what do you do there? Right? Like there's all sorts of things. Math has got 15 of his 16 goals, five on five. So he doesn't need the power play cookies. Not bothering him. So. As for what it would cost, it's a really good question. Um, I guess, like, obviously Washington would retain half. Um, even if you retain half, though, that's 2.85, right? So that's what expensive. Then you got to get... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
up another player into it. Like he's not costing a first. Is it costing a second? Yeah, maybe. Probably a second. I would think. That'd be my guess. But you know. Yeah. I'd I'd try to find some other comparables to him lately. So maybe second and a late pick too. Second and a sixth or something, maybe. So we'll see. Uh, quick break. When we come back, uh, Craig Button, Wanya Gretzky will join us after Connor Halley in a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Booster Juice. Uh, stop in at Booster Juice uh, every day in the month of February because uh, it's uh, you're getting rewarded for what your name is. All right. And if your name today on the 16th of Friday is Maria or Manpreet, guess what? You get a free drink at Booster Juice. And if it's not your name, Download the uh, Boosters Reward app and find out if you're next at Booster Juice.